Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. So today is Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, if you're a football fan at all, you know that we're looking forward to a battle between two superstars, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. And I think if you were a, a football star or a football fan, you would say, yes, that's an accurate appraisal of what is going to happen tonight. And if you're not a football fan, you might be saying, I don't know who these two guys are, but I thought that football was about two teams playing against each other, not two individuals playing against each other. And that is true. The two teams involved are Kansas City Chiefs and T- Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and their quarterbacks are two superstars that are going to be facing head on. But it actually is a game between two teams. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the message. We're in the series, the final message of the series, called Dangerous Prayers. And as I mentioned last week and the week before, a lot of struggles people have with prayers that is boring. But when you come face to face with these kinds of prayers, dangerous prayers, they actually become scary, and scary is never boring. So two weeks ago, we talked about the prayer, search me. Last week, we talked about break me. Today, the message is entitled, send me. As I've mentioned in the past couple of weeks, this message series is adapted from a book by Craig Rochelle called Dangerous Prayers. Uh, you can order this book on Amazon. We will put the, the link for this, the Amazon link, in, in the video details after the service is done. So have a look for that. And I'm also going to be quoting from another book today called Gaining by Losing, Why the Future Belongs to Churches That Send by Larry Osborne and J.D. Greer. And I'd love to show you a physical copy of that, but I don't have one. I'm reading it on my e-reader because that's a lot cheaper. Today, I want to structure the message uh, in terms of those questions we were taught in grade school. The reporter questions, who, what, when, where, why, and the one that doesn't start with W, how. And the first one is what? God is the sending God. We open the service today with a verse from John 20, where Jesus says, the Father has sent me, and as he sent me, I am sending you. We are following a God who sent his son to rescue the people he loves, and the people he loves is us. And as he was sent, Jesus sends us. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. I want to talk, I'll start today with, a, with an encounter that happens in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Isaiah. And it, it, Isaiah starts with five chapters of sort of introduction, and then it gets to the start of the story. And the start of the story is that Isaiah is this, probably a priest, he must have been a priest, because he was, he was in the temple, and talks about this encounter he has with God in the temple. And it's so profound, it's so overwhelming, that he says, I am undone. The, the, the original language uh, sort of implies, I am being disintegrated in the overwhelming presence of God. And in that context, there's a voice from an angel that says, who will go and say the words of God to the people? And in that context, in verse 8, Isaiah says, I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. So what is the what? In the who, what, when, where, why, and how. The what is, on mission, is a disciple's default status. As followers of Jesus, we don't just follow, we are sent. This is our default, to be sent, to be on mission. The dangerous prayer, send me, just like Isaiah, an encounter with God. And I I trust at some point you've had an encounter with God. But the encounter with God places you in the position of facing a challenge. Will you adopt the mission that he calls each one of us to. Two weeks ago, search me. 
Last week, break me, put me in the place where you need me to, de- to be, and that will automatically challenge you with, are you willing to carry the burden of the kingdom of God? The book Gain by Losing says, ascending ministry always starts with a heart exam. So we ask God to search us. We ask him to break us, make corrections that are necessary, and then you'll be challenged to go. Who? Everybody. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is your default expectation. There's something that happened um, in the very, after the first couple of centuries of the church, where there's a division happened between what is known as clergy and laity. And those are just fancy words that mean people who are paid to work full-time in the church and people who aren't. So if you are clergy, you're a pastor or a minister or a preacher or whatever, or even, even a missionary, and, and this is like a full-time job. And then what happened with that division between sort of the, the professionals and the regular people is in, in many contexts, in most contexts, the, the work of the church defaulted to the people that were paid for it instead of everybody else. It wasn't, wasn't a healthy thing. We see very, very early on that the mission of the church was carried by the regular people of the church. I'm going to be jumping all over scripture here today, but it's all along this common theme. And I want to read from Acts uh, chapter 8, verses 1 and verse 4. It says this, A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So the apostles are the leaders. Those would be the equivalent of the clergy, the professionals. These are the ones that are doing this full time. But all the All the believers, except for them, they're scattered throughout. So the leaders stay in Jerusalem. All the regular, regular, I mean, we're kind of all on the same page here, but all the regular ones spread out. And then verse 4, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. The clergy's staying there. Everybody else is preaching wherever they go. And this is how the message was spread. It's, It's not the special people who are called to be part of the mission. It's the normal ones. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to go. Church growth throughout the ages has always been powered. It's always, it's, it's always been manifested through supernatural, ordinary people, not professionals. Supernatural, ordinary people fulfilling the call on mission is the default condition of the disciple. This passage, a letter in a letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians that uh, speaks directly to this. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And it talks about Jesus being the one who institutes the church and Jesus being the leader who empowers the church. And he says in verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. The people, these kinds of leaders are gifts to the church. Their responsibility is to do all the work. No, it says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So imagine you're watching the Super Bowl tonight, and there's a kickoff, and the first play starts, and one of the quarterbacks gets all the players in the huddle, says, okay, here's the game plan. Here's the strategy we're going to run. And he talks about it, and they, they do the huddle, and they do a break, and everybody, all the other players, they go back to the bench, and the quarterback is standing alone in the field. And he tries to make the play, but of course he's tackled, right? And then the next play, okay, let's run the play. Let's call, the, call everybody back into the huddle. 
and, and the team runs back off the bench and, and they get in the huddle and the quarterback calls a play, he describes what they're gonna do and then all the team goes back of the bench, grabs some snacks, grabs some Gatorade and they watch as the, as the quarterback gets tackled again. This is how the church in the West has operated for the past couple hundred years, in general. Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, we call the play, everybody goes home and then they, if we're doing really well, they'll listen to it on a podcast and they come back the next Sunday to hear the play again. And then they go back home again. And they run, come back home, come back to church next Sunday to hear the play again. You can't win if the strategy is not run by the whole team. You can't win if you don't run the play. You can't win if you only call the play. And so here's where each one of us is responsible to, to respond to the call. That dangerous prayer, send me because it will not leave you comfortable. What? Who? Why? Why should we respond to this challenge? Isaiah responded and said, here I am, send me. But not everybody responds that way. I mean, Moses was called by God and he said, I'm not sure I can do this. Uh, I'm, I'm not equipped. I'm not gifted. And God said, I'll be with you. I'm not a good speaker. What if they don't listen to me? What if they don't believe me? And God says, I'll go, I'll go with you and, and you use your brother as a spokesperson. And finally, Moses says, I don't want to do it. Send somebody else. Throughout the history of the church, too many people have said, send someone else. Jonah is another example. God says, I'm calling you to preach my message of repentance to these people who are your enemies. And Noah just says, no, I'm going the other way. The Sunday school story version says that, Noah was or that Jonah was afraid. But you read in the book later on, the reason he didn't want to is because he didn't want to see his enemies become follower, followers of God. He didn't want to see his enemies receive God's mercy and receive God's grace. That was the reason he said no. So some people say yes. Some people say somebody else. Some people say straight up no. Why should we? The first reason is quite simple, because Jesus says to do it. If we say that Jesus is our master, that's what the word Lord means. He's the, he's the decision maker in, in the, the Abide and Grow Character program that we've been running. The, the, the phrase he uses, he's the functional Lord. He's not just the Lord in name, the way we look at the queen. You know, her face is on our money, but she lives over in England, has no direct impact on Canadian politics. And sometimes we treat God that way. But for him to be actually Lord means he determines what you do. And this is what he said in, in Matthew's version of the gospel. These are the last words he says. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's a description of what a Lord is, the ultimate Lord, all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because of that, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why should we respond to the call to go? Because the, the Lord we claim, the one whose name we carry, even the, in, in the word Christian, follower of Jesus, he says to do it. That's the first reason. The second reason is this, because we go because we recognize the difference that Jesus has made in our life. My life was this, and now it's this. And I recognize that difference. And so he is worth it because of what he's done in our lives. Sometimes I wonder if we always recognize that. 
Sometimes I wonder if, if some of us have, have just sort of snuck over the line of, of salvation or redemption or whatever you want to call it, and we just stay there over the line. And over time, you don't see much of a change, and we just kind of look like everybody else. And so we don't recognize the change because we don't deal with our crap. We don't deal with our wounds. We don't, we don't deal with our bad habits. And we're not in that process of growing and growth. And that's the process of discipleship. When Jesus says, go make disciples, he doesn't say make converts. Make disciples, people who are going to be sold out, all bought in, all in with Jesus, following him and engaged in his mission. So what difference has he made in your life? And if he hasn't, this is why we have the program called Grow Character, because you will see it happen in your life as you go through the steps. Because of the difference he's made. And when you understand the difference he's made in your life, you begin to understand the incredible depth of love that God has for those around you. When you, when you have a passionate, intimate relationship with somebody, you begin to understand, and sometimes you begin to take on their interests and their passion. If you have somebody who's a massive Tom Brady fan, you, you, can't, you can't get away from it because they talk about it all the time. And before long, you start learning about Tom Brady, and you start understanding what a great quarterback he is, and, and you, start, you start admiring what, what your friend admires. It's the same thing in a relationship with God. When you love someone, you begin to love what they love. And God loves people. I go back before COVID. Many times I would go to the mall and I'd walk through the mall and I'd say, there's all these people that God loves. How do we reach them? That's a huge call. But I'm afraid that many times people go to the mall and they don't even see it. They don't understand, they don't grasp the depth to which God loves all those people at the mall. They're not here on a Sunday morning because they don't know that God loves them. And so who's going to go? How will they know? First reason is because Jesus tells us. The second thing is because we see the difference that he's made in our life. The third reason that we should is because we recognize how much God loves other people. And listen to the fourth one. When we go, he is with us. There are times in your life that everybody goes through, and it's called the dark night of the soul, where God will withdraw his presence in order to build our growth. But there are times when that's a temporary season. There are people that don't experience God's presence in their life because they don't go where he's going. Matthew 28, I read it before, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the last two sentences there say, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I wonder if Jesus says, I am with you as a condition of going. Go make disciples and I'll be with you. But if you don't, where is he? Jesus operates on the edge of the kingdom not necessarily in the center of the church. When we huddle together and we, we ask God's presence to be with us so we can worship, we can enjoy him, but his heart is to be on the edge to reach new people. That's where his heart is. And if you're not experiencing God's presence in your life, are you going where he is? Why should we? Because you will experience God's presence, you will experience his power increasing in your life as you engage with the mission to which he has called you. What, who, why, 
Where? The dangerous prayer, send me. The question is not if I should go. We are all called to go. The question is where should I go and how should I go? Where? People are afraid to ask this question of God because they think God's going to call them to go to Africa or Southeast Asia or somewhere they don't want to be. He might. Most people, he doesn't. Most people already have access to the places where God wants you to go that maybe nobody else has access to. What are the opportunities that are around you, that are around you, and, and what might it look like? Some people might be a homemaker, and, and you're at home with your children, and you go, I don't have a where. I don't have the opportunity. Here is an opportunity to imbue your children with an eternal perspective and a sense of eternal mission. Many times uh, people are raising their kids to earn a salary, buy a house and have a family and that's it. What is God's purpose for your children? Can you, can you raise your kids with eternal kingdom values so that what matters most is his mission, not their salary? His purpose, not their comfort. That's very countercultural because we don't do that. We want our kids to succeed according to the American dream or whatever. It can start at home. It can, it can be at work. It can be at school. Who are the people around you that desperately need to hear about God's love? There's an opportunity. There's a where there. In your social activities, you play hockey or you're in a bridge club or, or whatever. There are people that are around you that need to hear about Jesus' love. And then there are, there's another where. We, we make our, our big picture life decisions according to criteria like salary and convenience and uh, I, I have to commute to work. I don't want to live too far from work. Um, what are my neighborhood options? What are the schooling options? The school my kids are going to go to? What career do I want? How many times do we frame that in terms of, God, what is your kingdom mission and how do I fit into it? When I'm looking for a house to buy, does God's kingdom mission impact that? Where's a neighborhood I can reach rather than where's a neighborhood I can live comfortably and drive to work? There's a huge switch there. And when you ask, when you honestly ask God the question, you respond to the challenge, send me where and how, not if, where and how. Run that through your big decisions in life. I'm buying another house. Where? What is your kingdom purpose in where you would have me live? Where's your kingdom purpose in which university program you would have me choose? As followers of Jesus, so often we just default to the cultural norms. What is God's purpose for you? It's not if. It's where and how. Okay, so we talked about the where, so what's the how? How do we do this? 1 Peter 3.15 says this, You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. I don't love the New Living Translation here. Um, more true, like I, I learned NIV. Uh, it says something like establish Christ as Lord. What that means is to recognize, to acknowledge that he is the Lord, not just the universe, but of your life. He is the decision maker and out of that flows all of your life decisions. Establish Christ as Lord. And if someone asks you about your hope, here's the great opportunity here. Here's the how. If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. I grew up with huge, strong pressure to be an evangelist. 
What that means, you have to go out of your way all the time to share Jesus with everybody you know. And uh, being sort of a shy, introverted type, it was, never felt I could measure up to that. And, um, and there are some people that are like that. They have the personality, they have the charisma, they have the, the daring. But I believe that every one of us is called to live out Jesus' mission, but in an expectant way where we're waiting for the opportunities for somebody to ask, and then we're prepared. And it will happen. We, we, we live out the kingdom. We are sent in what we do. When we demonstrate Jesus with our actions and in what we say, if it's only what we do, then people think you do that just because you're nice, because we're good Canadian citizens. You, it's what you do, which means whatever your career is, you do it to the best of your ability to the best of, according to your gifts and your calling. And, and you respond to, to hardship and suffering and tragedy with grace and peace and joy. And sooner or later, somebody will ask you, and that's when you connect it to the words. I am like this. I respond this way because of the difference Jesus made in my life. We have somebody in our, at Cross's Church, uh, and she's in my Grow Character group, and she just said this past week that uh, she's a teacher in a school, and, and she went through a... a a really, really hard time physically a couple of years ago. And, and she came through it and she responded to that with, with hope and trust and faith. And people at work started asking about it. And at first she said, I was afraid because the school boards are not exactly um, friendly to conversations about Jesus or your personal spiritual beliefs or whatever. And she said, after a while, I decided I'm not going to be fearful about this anymore. I'm just going to be honest. If they're asking, they want to know. What's happening in your life where you demonstrate such peace and joy and love and faith and hope that people are asking, but the second follow-up to that is how are you responding when they ask? Be prepared to ask. What's interesting is that this teacher who goes to Crossan's Church, she started coming to Crossan's Church because she was invited by a coworker. So you see that cycle happen. She's working with somebody who says, hey, you've got to come to Cross Church and check this out. She becomes a follower of Jesus. She sees Jesus do amazing things in her life, and now she's sharing that with other people. That's how the whole thing works. In the book, Gaining by Losing, it says, you're either the mission field or the missionary. You're either the mission field or the missionary. The implication is if you're not the missionary, you're a mission field, which the gospel still has to impact. If you're not going, you're not a disciple. The question is not if, it's where and how. Hey, that's where I got it from. If you're not going, you're not a disciple. That's a big challenge. And some people might be offended by that. But on mission is a disciple's default status. If you're a disciple, you're on mission. Who, what, where, why, how, when? Right now. Some people think that it, it, it takes a voice from God speaking from a burning bush to establish your calling. We don't need that voice when we have a verse in scripture that says it. Go. Go make disciples. You don't... See, we feel like we're not qualified. Well, I don't have a master's degree in theology. That's, that's the kind of thing that Moses said to God. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. And God's response is, I will be with you. The, the best, um, the most effective people that share Jesus with their friends and co-workers and family are people that have been followers of Jesus for less than a year. And for some reason, we get, we get overwhelmed with this, I have to know everything. I have to get the qualification right. And, and, and so often in the North American church, 
that passion just fades over time. And it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I had a conversation with my brother a, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about how the church across North America is responding to lockdown and what the, some of the challenges. And, and I said, one of, one of my concerns is that after lockdown, we, we were already in a culture where people call regular church attendance like every three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, whatever. Um, and, and, and a lot of people, some people are not going to return right away because of health vulnerability, but a lot of people won't return because of what Mariah talked about this morning. I can just stay in my pajamas. It's just too easy to not come. And he said, yeah, the, um, the real challenge is going to be to restore attendance. And I said, no, the real challenge is for the church to engage in the mission. Because ultimately, it's, it's not about the numbers that step into the building that are our regulars. It's how are we reaching our community? That was the problem before, and it's going to continue to be the problem in the future. So if you restore your attendance, everybody's coming back, but you're not reaching a community. What's the point? A church on mission, is it even a church? The dangerous question is send me. It's not if, but where and how. Are you willing to pray that prayer? We're sent because people need to hear. And maybe you're tuning in today and, and you've never come across the message that, that God loves you so much that he wants you in his family and he has a purpose for your life that gives you far more meaning than, than the, the shallow goals that the world offers. Retirement, house, bear children, go on vacation. Then what? You, have a, you are called. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus at all. You, God is calling you into his family. Will you respond to that? How do you respond? It's as simple as ABC. A, admit your need for God. The life you're living is not what God has for you. B, is believe, trust that the path that Jesus made available for us through his death and resurrection, that's the whole story of going to the cross, rising from the dead, opens the avenue, it opens the opportunity for a relationship with God and to live out our full purpose. And then C, is commit fully to that. Saying yes to your old life, or say, saying no to your old life and saying yes to the life God has for you. Getting on mission as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. And, and, and if God is calling you to that today, respond with a yes. Respond with a yes. And how do you say yes? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just take my words, make them your own, repeat them out loud if you can follow along. And pray something like this. Father in heaven, I thank you that you love me and are calling me into your family. I thank you that you are calling me from a life of meaninglessness and purposelessness to a life of mission. And I'm choosing today to trust in the path that Jesus made available through his death and resurrection. And I'm choosing to commit to you today to say no to my old life, to say yes to the life that you have for me. Amen. And if this is a decision you're making today for the first time, please connect with us. Connect with us on crosslands.live. Uh, just go to it on your computer or smart device. And there's a box there that says follow Jesus. Give us your contact info because we'll help you in the, in the spiritual journey. How do we move forward on this? It's part of what we're here for. A couple of weeks ago, or I think three weeks ago, I was having a conversation uh, with a mentor who was talking about a church that he used to attend. And he, he was talking about how the the pastor was so good at engaging with people who were not Christians and, and the people in the church caught that. They just caught it. And he said, on a regular Sunday, you go in well over half the church were completely not followers of Jesus. 
They were there for the first time being exposed to Jesus in community, being exposed to Jesus in Sunday messages. I thought, a lot of people wouldn't like that. I think it's incredible. I think it's amazing. You think about, in some way, how messy it would be. You know, somebody might drop an F-bomb in the lobby. They might not, they might be wearing a shirt that somebody might think is inappropriate. They might not know where to go, when do I stand up, when do I sit down, I don't know the words to the songs. I would love for that. That would be incredible to have regularly people coming and coming and coming who don't know Jesus and getting introduced to him and beginning to follow him and, and, and going through that incredibly um, messy early stages of learning how to figure this out and becoming passionate about Jesus and sharing it with other people. And you see that cycle grow because that passion, it just, it just spreads. My fear is that at Crossland's Church, we're too comfortable to respond to the send me prayer. That we would say, send somebody else. We would say, no, I just don't want to. Will you dare to respond to Jesus' call? A couple of weeks ago, I was at home. Well, I'm at home all the time, actually. But one day, um, I, I made a fire in the fireplace. And um, the wood was kind of wet. It was a struggle to get it going, and it was, it was a struggle to keep it going, and finally I just gave up. And uh, the next day, I, I was walking through the kitchen, and Josh Dale, who lives with us, was sitting there studying, and Judah was out, and I don't know where Michelle was, and there's a fire going in the fireplace. I said, oh, Josh, you made a fire. That's nice. He goes, no, I didn't. I said, well, did Judah make the fire? He said, no, Judah's been out for a long time. Did Michelle make the fire? No. That fire started again by itself. The embers were in there and somehow over a 12 hour period, enough, I don't know, wind blew on it and it caught fire by itself. That's what I want to see happen at Crossens Church. We have embers going, yeah, we have, we have some people that are passionate about Jesus and, and we have some people that are on mission, but it, sometimes it feels like, maybe I'm being hypercritical, I don't know, sometimes it feels like it's, it's the minority. Man, for that to catch fire. And, it, and I know it's not by itself. I know that God wants to blow the wind of his spirit over the embers and just catch it and catch fire. And that's my prayer. I'm not here to be a quarterback to run plays or to call plays every week that aren't run. Sure, I'm part of the mission. Sure, I lead, try to lead by example. But... For, we're called, all of us, to run the play. We've said many times over the years, reach the other 80,000. The people in our community that don't know Jesus, catch God's love for them. Yes, let God's love fill you up, but it's got to fill you to overflowing so you catch love for God's people. The people he wants to be part of his family, that are around you at work, that are in your family, that are at the grocery store, that are in your schools. Search me, break me. Are you willing to pray the dangerous prayer? Send me, show me where and how, because it's not a question of if. You are called. On mission is a disciple's default status. I, I've been feeling my phone going, um, so uh, bear with me. It looks like I might be going out of time. Nice sweater, thank you. Um, 
Is it a contradiction to say, go where Jesus is and know that he is everywhere? Yeah, kind of. Um, I think maybe the, 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 um, the question is, where is Jesus active? Where, where is he actively moving? Um, separate thought, can we stop using Africa as a symbol of the most difficult and undesirable assignment? Yes, I apologize for that. Um, Africa is more of a Christian nation, nation, it's not a nation, it's a continent. There are more Christians in Africa today than there are in Canada. And, and what's unfortunate, and I make this mistake, is that we equate our culture with Christianity, when in Canada we are post-Christian as a culture. There are countries like uh, in the Middle East and, and in, in Asia that are far more difficult. I, I have a friend who works, I won't mention his name, but uh, he works in a country where the reason why I don't mention his name is because it's not legal for him to be there as a Christian to be doing work. And there is a lot of people doing that. They're, they're starting business ventures. They're responding to the, to the send me call by taking what they know. And there's business opportunities all over the Middle East and Southeast Asia, where it's extremely difficult and dangerous to be a Christian. And they're spreading the, the news of Jesus through that. So yes, that's a great point. Um, time and again, God has provided me the chance to share my faith with my clients at my workplace. Not by preaching, but just by being myself and building a relationship with them. It, in a relationship, it's natural for me to talk about what God is doing in my life. And because we're in a relationship, they are receptive to hear it. But I think you also have the ability to connect with people who have no church experience, you're real, and don't use Christianese, and you speak with passion. That is contagious. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, but I will say this. Um, this came up in, uh, in the group last week. Where, when it's difficult to share, there are, there are contexts in which it's difficult to share, and maybe... Um, you're intimidated by this as I am. When somebody asks and you're not sure if you should, here's a really interesting response to that. Somebody says, how did you get through that? Why are you the way they are? Or whatever question they ask. You can follow that, that up with, you can respond with, I'm not sure you really want to hear about it. Because if they say they do, now you have permission to say, whatever, because they gave you permission to say it. It's a trick. You could try it. Um, yeah, let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for your heart for each one of us, that your heart burns with passion for us. That when we engage with you in, in prayer, when we are willing and vulnerable, we, we expose the deepest parts of ourselves to us, to you, you, you still love us completely and unconditionally. But Father, I pray that you would grip each one of us with the, with the same love and passion for those around us that don't know you. Many of us don't know how, how many of us are intimidated and afraid. But Father, make us willing to be sent. Make us willing to open our eyes to the opportunities that you are placing in front of us. Make us willing to be, to open our mouth and connect who we are, the change you've made in us, with the story of Jesus that is gonna to apply to the people around us. And Father, I pray that we would increasingly see people become followers of you. And Father, we know that you have promised to build your church and you're not calling us to build your church. You're calling us to go and make disciples. And so Father, our, our 
our desire is not that to, to pursue dreams of grandeur for Crossland's Church. Our, our, our desire is that Crossland's Church would be an effective witness to you and to give glory for you, not to hoard resources, not to hoard people, but to be a sender that each one of us would take on that mission and be effective with it in whatever area of influence you have called us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.